Welcome back to Creative Outcomes. Today we are joined by Allison Caffrey, founder and CEO of Operations Agency. Allison and her team work with service-based businesses to help streamline operations. On today's episode, we're going to be focusing on one of my favorite topics, utilization. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Let's jump right into it. Uh, what is utilization rate? <laughs> Well, traditionally speaking, I mean, first of all, let's just back up. A lot of people have a lot of different definitions on what utilization rate actually is. And they also, depending on their model as a service business, have different ways that they can track that, right? So oftentimes, utilization rate refers to the amount of quote unquote contracted work that directly correlates with you getting a new um, client or keeping an existing client, right? Happy. And so oftentimes, traditionally, we calculate overhead as uh, salaries, and those people may be in a position where they are actually working on some client stuff. And so utilization came to be when we were basically um, bidding out projects, right, as a service business. And we say, okay, somebody's going to give me $1,000 to do this work. I need to hire a contractor to do $600 worth of work, and then I take home $400 as the agency, right? Let's just say that that's, that's the way that it will go. Um, and that time, that $600 that you're spending on that person, right, we aim, quote unquote, to be 100% utilized, meaning that that person is only doing work that is productive for that project, right? They're only delivering assets that the client um, is basically, you know, expecting from us. And there's a lot of things that go into this, and a lot of things that pour into it. And as you're growing and scaling your agency or your service business or your creative agency, any of those things, um, you want to be in a position to, first of all, define some realistic expectations around this. And so I think what we're going to unpack today, hopefully together, is just a way that agencies can approach this a little bit more simply um, and start to really pull some levers um, to get this this number up. I think a lot of folks want to be, quote unquote, 100% utilized with their team. Um, but I'm here to tell you today that that's not usually very realistic. And so um, we want to just factor in some of the other really important things that your team is doing um, to make sure that we have a good expectation about how that can go. Yeah. Yep. Um, so let's talk about how and why it should be, time should be tracked and best practices. What do you see in the clients that you work with? What do you recommend? Yeah. So that's probably the, the ground level, right? The, the first, the first thing that we probably need to do is if you're not tracking time already, definitely be tracking time. I think ultimately for an agency, um, whether creative, digital, uh, pretty anything, right? You're really in a position where a service-based business begins trading time for money, whether that's in the founder's position or however that needs to work. And so a really clear loop, uh, first and foremost, um, I have a friend and partner, Dan Martell, who teaches this specific concept. Um, and it's basically a loop where he says, you know, assess, transfer, and fill. Um, basically your calendar with new things. And so if you're a founder, if you're a solo person shop and you're taking a look at how you're spending your time, um, go ahead and take a look and track your time specifically, right? To be able to take some of those things off of your plate that perhaps don't need to be on your plate and transfer them to another person in your agency or a person that you're hiring to get that time for cheaper. Now, my reason I bring this up is because one of the biggest issues I see with tracking time is that the founder isn't willing to do it him or herself, right? And so 
So it's, it sounds like I'm calling people out and perhaps I am because in order to grow a business, you have to do hard things and nobody wants to track time. Nobody wants to account for every single time that they do a specific task. And even more so it's really revealing, right? How you spend your time and how you track your time. If you want to lie to yourself and say that I'm working super hard, but really you're only putting in four hour work days and you're just dilly dallying on email, that's super revealing, right? And we have to kind of call ourselves out as founders and be like, how am I actually pouring into my business? How am I actually pouring into my team? And am I the example that my team needs to see in order to buy in that time tracking is important? So that's number one, right? It all starts with the founder and it trickles down from there because nobody is going to buy into the fact that you need to track time if you yourself as the founder are not willing to do that. Second big thing is make it as easy as humanly possible as easy as possible. So if you're using project management tools, if you're using delivery systems for your clients, different pieces of tech, try to find a time tracking software or tool or mechanism that plugs right into that where your team can say, yes, I'm working on this task. No, I'm not working on this task. I'm working on administrative stuff. So that is absolutely going to be the lowest barrier of entry for you to begin doing that. Um, the third big thing is to make sure that the data that you're pulling about time is centralized in front of your team at a very frequent cadence, meaning at least weekly, right? We're taking a look at a position where you're gathering this data, you're telling your team, hey, listen, not only is this important, not only am I doing it, but we're also gonna hold all of each other accountable to this data and review it every single week because nobody wants to show up to a meeting unprepared, not having submitted their time because they're letting their team members down, they're letting their founder or their you know direct report down, and they're in a position where they're letting themselves down, right? They're, they're just showing up and it's super embarrassing to not be in a meeting and be prepared for that. So those are the three big things you can do to start getting that team buy-in, lead by example, make it as frictionless and easy as possible, and put the data in front of your team to remind them that this isn't just some fly-by-night strategy that you really want to implement, that you're committed to having this be a centralized way of how you operate. Yeah, I think several, uh, the, the founders tracking their time, I constantly struggle. Clients, most of my clients, they're, they don't like, they're like, oh, the team can track their time. We don't want to do it. And it's like, yeah, you, you've got to show, lead by example. And then, you know, I haven't really considered like, sh like we look at clients utilization and their team's utilization on a monthly basis, but that often is not getting translated to their team then. So that's a, that's a great idea. Um, what should be including uh, in time tracking and are there target rate utilization rates that you suggest for the team? Yeah. So I think at the baseline, um, if you want to get a utilization rate that you can start to have a conversation about, um, that is actually meaningful, or, um, you can kind of dive into a little deeper over time. The very first thing that you need to be tracking is the time that your team spends between administrative things and delivery things. Meaning that if you have a copywriter, right, who is working on copy for your agency, we need to track at least the time that that person is spending on copy for the agency, for the agency's clients, not to market the agency because that's a different bucket, right? Um, we also need to make sure that they're tracking time on how they're responding in Slack messages, how they're responding in email, the amount of time that they spend in meetings. So that's administrative time, right? Project managing, if you have somebody wearing multiple hats. And so I think Ultimately, uh, there's this really wonderful podcast actually that just came out. I listen to Donald Miller from StoryBrand's podcast uh, quite often, and he was talking about this um, super simple concept called do your job. And he's like, 
I know it sounds really rude, right? To just be like, hey, just just do your job, right? And he unpacked it a little bit and he was like, well, you can't expect somebody on the team to do their job unless they know what their job is. And he even went as far to say, well, we need to know what our job is at work. We need to know what our job is as a wife. We need to know what our job is as a mom. And we need to know what our job is as a friend in order to actually serve that. And it can be as simple as I think he said for his wife, his, um, his job was to bring joy to my wife, right? And so he was like, I know that sounds vague and weird, but like, then there's a filter, right? There's a filter to say like, okay, well, I'm not going to come in and complain about my day because that doesn't bring joy to my wife, right? And so I'm going to figure out a way to offload some of the struggles that I'm going through so that I don't bring that to her. And so I think that's the same thing with our team is we expect them to do some things, but we forget to tell them what their job is, right? So I think getting crystal clear on these are the responsibilities that you have as it relates to client work. These are the responsibilities you have as it relates to admin work. And again, that builds on the making it super easy to track your time, right? You want to be in a position to create really easy ways for folks to interact with software and technology. We live in an amazing age where that is super automated for us now. And if they're really clear about what they should be doing, they can be in a position to track their time really simply and just put it into, let's just say like three or four buckets at this point, right? Client work, direct uh, work for like, for example, the copywriter example, right? If the copywriter is working on client stuff and working on copy for you to specifically grow your agency, because they're that good, we can be in a position to say, okay, we've got a bucket of client work. We've got a bucket of agency growth or quote unquote marketing time that you're spending on our agency. Then we have administrative time, for example, right? Three really nice buckets for them. They can be in a position to track that time. And then we can start to say, okay, interesting. Your utilization rate, quote unquote, seems a little bit low on the client side of things. Where do we need to create some ways for you to be a little bit more productive? And we can talk about that in a second. But a core um, utilization rate that I specifically like to look at is between 60 and 70%. And that's, again, industry standard, just from what I've seen over working with agencies for the last five or so years. I think my opinion there is like, don't everyone tries to shoot for like the 80 to 90 range. And I personally just feel like from an administrative perspective, those people are also going to take vacations. They're going to take time home with their family. They're going to do all those things. You're setting yourself and your team up for failure because we're, we're just not going to see something like that. So opinion wise, like you start to take a look at utilization at like 60, 70%. And then you can start to adjust your prices to accommodate those types of things. Um, and so just knowing is half the battle, right? Knowing what a meaningful number is for you and then being able to go from there. Yeah. How do you feel about, so we have clients come to us and like, they don't know if they're pricing it right, but they're also not tracking their time and it goes hand in hand. So what would you say to someone that's like, I don't feel like I'm pricing right. And I don't have any time tracking data behind that. Start tracking your dang time. I mean, here's the thing. Like you could, um, you could come out and be like, I don't know if I'm pricing right. Um, and I'm profitable, but it's just because you're not reinvesting into your business, right? You don't have any discretionary spending. Like those, not those numbers aren't true blue because you have other factors that are going on in your business financially and operationally, right? Operationally speaking, you might be in a position where you come out in the black on a project because you didn't track, you know, because you didn't track your time and all those things, you don't know if that is because you released spending other in other areas where you were like, no, we're not going to pay for this or what have you. So it doesn't tell the full story. And I think ultimately, right, if we have a North Star, right, we want to be profitable each month, like let's just say, right, and make sure we keep our cash reserves in check and, and all that stuff. But at the same time, we need to have a formal way to say, all right, from the work we're distributing, right, how profitable are we on that on average? And what percentage of the revenue that we generate can we reinvest into the business? can we use to fund other projects all of those things and that again just it just doesn't tell such a clear story so track 
time. Just just do that. Especially too, I think if you can make it really easy, it seems like a chore, but it's like a muscle, right? Everybody knows they should be working out and eating healthy and going for afternoon walks and getting sunlight on their face so they can sleep better and all the things, right? And so it's a hard thing. It's it's not it's not easy to make conscious decisions to do things that don't come super naturally to us. And also this day and age, everybody's looking for the next hack or tip or trick or anything else. And if it was easy to grow a business, everybody would have one, but they don't. They don't. And it's because the people who are willing to do hard things like this are the ones who come out in the end, the people who are patient, the people who consistently do the difficult thing every day. Um, and now I'm kind of getting into a uh, <laughs> leadership tangent, but nonetheless, that's my opinion on that. <laughs> I totally agree. Do you have recommended like tactical tips to like, okay, you know, we work with a lot of designers and like, they're like, I could be spending time here on this client and on this client. And like, are there specific ways it's like, do it in certain increments or like, do you have tactical, helpful hacks that that you could share? Yeah, so there was um, a pretty much a core way that I view um, based on how agencies operate. And if you picture a Venn diagram, right, there's basically three core functions, um, people, systems and processes. And so I think if we come in and we're like, utilization is low, we're not really sure how to troubleshoot this. What you need to start asking yourselves is, um, you know, do we have a core process for how we do things, right? Like the core way that we deliver, do we have consistent services that we're offering and a stack through which we're offering that? I think that's another key thing where we start to see revenue numbers changing and we start to see profit margins changing is because we're offering custom packages. We're offering like pretty much just saying yes to anything. And it's really challenging to nail down um, and forecast as well what's going to happen in the future or what you're going to bring home if some of those things are not consistent. So establish some consistency, establish some of the core ways that you do things. I usually do that by taking a look at the last 90 days of projects. And I just ask myself two questions. What made me really excited to deliver and what got my clients the best results? And so if I can stay in those two lanes and deliver people what they actually want and will move the needle for them and also things that I really enjoy doing, we will be off to the races. Now, the next really solid piece of this is the system. So do I have the pieces of technology, the automation, um, you know, the software itself to be able to run the business or help my team, which I'll talk about next, get done what they need to get done. And so that is maybe your project management tool, your invoicing system, your proposal system, the way that you're tracking your time, all of those elements, right? They need to talk to each other and they need to be intuitive and you don't need to overcomplicate things. You just need to use them. I know so many agency owners, they'll come to me and be like, what's the best project management tool? I'm like, that's not the question you should be asking me period. All the project management tools do the exact same thing at the baseline. And so my opinion always, and what I always tell them, the answer they hate to hear is I was like the one you'll actually use period. And so it's, it's actually, it's funny. And a lot, I do get a lot of laughs from that, but it's, it's so simple. It's almost like it almost goes over our head because it's so simple. And I think, I think sometimes too, when we start to think through our people, so that's the third kind of um, circle on this Venn diagram is can our people, are they trained and are they apt, right? Do they have the aptitude and all of the skills necessary to be able to run the process, use the system and deliver those results. And if those boxes are all checked, you should be in a position to see really nice utilization rates, right? In that 60 to 70 range, you should also be in a position to not be micromanaging your team, meaning you shouldn't care when they're doing things. You shouldn't care if they're batching tasks and whatnot. As long as they're getting their things done, they're doing so in a timeline that is relatively you know, in line with what you're thinking and they're hitting all the marks that you want them to hit, 
you can, as a manager and as a founder, kind of release your grip over every single thing in your business, which will ultimately actually give you more time and freedom and more revenue in the long run. Um, but anyone who's asking me, like if an employee comes to me and they're like, well, we have creative time and this isn't serving me and I don't want to be so structured. And sometimes it's hard to know like when a good idea is going to come or whatever. Um, sometimes what I say to them is like, you know, structure equals freedom in the way that if you know that something's going to happen and you can kind of plan for that, you have then that kind of creative agency over your life to be able to steer things in the right direction, right? Instead of being so forced to react last minute or come up with an idea all of a sudden, right? How would that feel if instead you were like, cool, I have creative time on Thursday. I'm just going to like keep accepting ideas. And so I think batching um, like tasks together specifically for the team will be really helpful. Um, there's this concept of the perfect week, which basically takes all of the things that you're responsible for in your work and your life. And you just basically chunk out pieces of time, not specific tasks. And I'm not talking from 9.50 to 10 a.m. in the morning. You're going to be taking a look at specific emails or doing this specific task. I'm talking that if you know that consistently you need to pour about four hours a week into a specific subject, let's just say it's content creation, right? You block those times in your calendar. You also block those times in your scheduling tool to be able to only offer times during that slot so that you can stay in the same headspace. There's a lot of studies done between switching tasks and, and all of those things and how much time it actually wastes and multitasking isn't actually the thing that you need to be doing. We need to head down focus. So if there are teams who are struggling with things like that, um, I would say start to batch your time, start to think a little bit more intentionally about how you spend your days. And if you have a team that's still kind of um, in flux and like really operating in a way that seems kind of reactive, just budget for that, right? Say, listen, I'm going to be working on these super important things, but from 3 to 5 p.m. before I close my computer in the evenings, you can drop whatever you want on my plate. Like, just go for it. And so I think even allowing for that time, if we're in a position where, yeah, like things just seem to come up last minute quite often, keep that, you know, keep that time for you and, and just be real with how things are going. Yeah, love it. Um. How do you deliver the pitch to teams without making it sound like a scare tactic or get buy-in from the actual employees and not that like big brothers watching? No, totally. I think that's great. I think um, so there's basically a couple of ways that people are motivated. Um, the first is money motivated. Um, the second is time motivated. So like work-life balance, all those things. Um, and the third is other people motivated, right? So like they have accountability. And so what I try to do is build in those three mechanisms. And really that starts with just sitting down and being like, what do you want, right? What, what do you want? What will make this a, a really, really exciting relationship for you? And I think ultimately we want to decide is can we incentivize them monetarily to do it, right? If we can paint them the picture that if this time tracking mechanism for the team can bring the, the company back higher, profit margins, then that can be redistributed among the team in a certain manner. So I think getting crystal clear on that might be a way to just grab your team's buy-in almost instantly. Um, I know a lot of companies who do even minor profit sharing with some of their contractors. And so I think it's a really great way to just be keeping people engaged and keeping everybody's skin in the game. Because um, nobody's going to love your business as much as you love your business, even however much you incentivize people, that's just not true. Uh, or that, that is always going to be true. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the way we can do that is, again, just motivating them and being crystal clear on what we can offer them financially. Second thing is time. Um, so if you have an employee who's like, I want to track my time, but I hate all the tasks that I'm doing, or I really don't feel aligned with this, or I feel like I'm working way too much, 
we need to have a conversation about that because A, not only is their time tracking going to be super revealing about these 60 hour work weeks that we have now, right? The, the second big thing that's going to end up happening is if we can kind of uh, paint the picture of moving them out of some of the things that they don't like doing and some of the things that they do like doing, this is the first step. We need to assess like, okay, what's happening? How long is it taking us? Do we have processes for this? And can we get this off of our plate? And so if that means that this new employee is able to do higher value tasks in a shorter period of time and only work like 30 hours a week, 35 hours a week, that's a win-win for everybody, especially if they have family at home and they have young children and all those things. Like I transparently am kind of in that position. I'm like, how can I get the lowest value tasks off of my plate so that I can spend less but really impactful time inside of my business, really working on what matters so that I can spend some time at home with my family. And so that's bucket number two. And then Bucket number three is just straight up accountability, right? So what I said before about centralizing that data, centralizing the time tracking data in front of your team so that when everybody comes to the table, they are all accountable and they're looking at their teammate who's tracked all of their time. And if they haven't tracked any, they're going to feel like crap and it's going to be really hard for them. And, you know, I think that's also motivating because your team's in it together, right? Everybody's in this to grow the business, to make a big impact, um, to bring revenue home to their family and, and you know, grow the family in the way that they see and live their life by design. And so that's not untrue just because you're an employee, right? You can still access a lot of the really great financial benefits, a lot of the great team growth and personal growth elements of owning a business if you just show up and leave everything out on the field, right? If you just actually are like, okay, cool, I'm willing to do this process because this is important. And my founder say is saying it's important. And my team is also doing it. So like, okay, yeah, now I'm bought in. That's probably the the reinforcement way. Hopefully that's how it, it can kind of stick, right? Because you can financially incentivize and you can trade time all over the place to get people work-life balance. At the end of the day, they want to feel belonging and they're going to be held accountable by looking at their other team members who are doing the work. And if they're not, they're going to feel bad. Totally agree. Um, do you have a recommendation? Like I always encourage daily time tracking uh but is there like what what's your thought on is it weekly daily like by the time you get to that friday it's like i don't know what i did on on monday yeah i think um daily is, is just the way to go uh, my personal opinion is that you start to um there's this like is it called the mandela effect when you like remember things incorrectly i think it is and, and you like look back on on your life and you're like oh yeah that was really cool or no that wasn't cool or i remember the events incorrectly and so if you don't have everything scheduled in your calendar which i know lots of creative agencies and, and just overall like a lot of people don't do that like i'm a very scheduled person so literally right now like i'm looking on my other screen because my my calendar is up and I'm very scheduled, I'm a very scheduled person. And I think that ultimately I could take a look and, and guess pretty well, looking back on my week and reflecting, that would still probably A, take me longer to set up because I have a queue of things going on. If I take 15 minutes at the end of my day to just reaccount where my time was spent, or if I have a system, which is what I do, I have a system for how I track my time. So as I'm doing this literal interview, it's in my calendar, it's synced up with the way that we track our time. And it's literally just tracking that I'm on this meeting and this is what I'm doing. And so it's it's fairly simple. Again, just make it the easiest possible and explore some ways to automate the way this is happening. Um, because if you can automate a lot of that stuff, then really it's only the one-off tasks that just came up out of nowhere that folks need to be tracking. And so that feels a lot less daunting than accounting for every 15 minutes of their entire day. Yep. Totally agree. Well, in the spirit of time tracking, I had you for a specific amount of time, so I don't want to take up too much of your day. I really appreciate you joining. I feel like we could go on and on. Um, but 
I will we'll leave it at that. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, and we will catch you next time. Thanks so much for having me.